0: Um, it's very difficult to work out how do you introduce an archbishop (laughs) when you're in my place, little Indian on the ground. So the best thing I'm going to do is just briefly give you a context. See, most of you are new to the mission, learning about the mission, and so very briefly I just want to give you a context as to why the archbishop is even here with us. So let me tell you a quick story. You know, in the Anglican system, we have what's called Episcopal government. That means we have bishops and priests, and, and it's not congregational government. Everyone doesn't vote. We have um, bishops and priests. And, of course, about 15 years ago, when things were going sidewards in the Anglican church and the Episcopal church in the USA, a group of priests said, we, we can't do this anymore. This is people. Our colleagues don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe in the word of God. We want to be Anglicans because a system, you know, Anglicanism is a form of worship, that's good, but we just can't do it in this organisation anymore. Well, in the Anglican system, you have to have a bishop that will licence you to practise. It stops people from just starting up churches on their own and doing all sorts of crazy things. That's not good either. So these these priests started in the United States, and came to Canada, They said, is there a bishop in North America that would provide oversight for us so that we could practice? And there's only 230, roughly 230 bishops in North America. Guess how many bishops said, yes, we will provide oversight for you and allow you to practice? Zero, not one. It's too controversial. You know, Anglicanism is a jurisdictional thing. We have dioceses. We don't want to cross dioceses. And so throughout the whole world, there were three archbishops in the whole world who said, we will step in. We will step into North America and we will provide... Episcopal oversight if you want to be Anglican then you've got to have Episcopal oversight and we want to be Anglican because we think there's some good stuff in the liturgy and how we do that well it wasn't Germany it wasn't the Anglican church in um, uh, India and it wasn't the Anglican church you know in France it was the Anglican church in Rwanda the Anglican church in Southeast Asia that said, yes, we will step over the line, get lots of flack. I mean, you know, in the the political world of the Anglican Church, to cross jurisdiction like that, that is huge. And we will provide oversight for you priests. Let me give you one example of what that means. In Canada, we had a group of priests who said, would there be, please, a bishop somewhere that would provide oversight for these guys in Vancouver who in 2003 made a step out of the Anglican Church. And there was one tentative bishop, won't say his name, he was from the north and he came down and he said, I will provide Episcopal oversight for you. One of his rival bishops in Canada said, if you come down from the north and if you provide oversight to these quote, rogue priests, we will sue the pants off you. You will lose your job, your house, your family and your reputation. And he backed off. Meanwhile, in the background, there's three archbishops from these little countries that nobody ever heard of, Malaysia and Singapore, Southeast Asia and Rwanda. And these guys stood up and said, we will come and provide oversight. Archbishop Yongping Chong, Archbishop Moses Tay and Archbishop Emmanuel Colini from Rwanda. When Archbishop Colini came and was prepared to provide oversight with these other two archbishops, this infamous bishop, in Vancouver, threatened the Archbishop of Rwanda and said, if you come into our jurisdiction, we will sue the pants off you and you will lose your house and your family and your reputation and your job. Archbishop Kalini said, on behalf of the other archbishops, we just lost 1.2 million people in a genocide do you think I'm frightened by what you're telling me? A lot of us don't know that story. Archbishop told me that. And, um, and the reason why I tell you that is because these three men didn't do something that was politically correct, but it was the right thing to do in the kingdom. A lot of people didn't think Martin Luther did the right thing way back in the 16th century but he was part of a move with John Calvin and others. Thomas Kramer brought a reformation to the church. And the reason I tell you that story is because these guys, I mean, they're human beings, don't get me wrong, but let me tell you that they were prepared to stand up for the kingdom. There wasn't one bishop in all of North America was prepared to make a stand on this, even the evangelical ones. So that's the story. The amazing thing is which shouldn't surprise you that these archbishops are people people. They love to be with people. They'll come all the way from Malaysia to Port Alberni just to be with us. That's amazing. I don't see any of the other Anglican Church of Canada bishops ever asking can we come and join you? And You, you see what I'm getting at is uh, the actions prove the talk. And um, Archbishop Yong and Julia have been here and at many of our Canadian things for years. That's the calibre of... They're committed to people. I tell you, I want to follow people like that. They don't just talk the walk, they walk the talk. I want want to hang around people like that. I could actually grow and learn. And so Archbishop Yong and Julia, they come faithfully, they minister to us, You know, Archbishop Young's not a big flamboyant guy, right? But you better pay attention when he speaks because you will learn something. Yesterday when the clergy met and we sort of asked what is our passion, Archbishop Young said, my passion is to fan the flame for ministry and encourage people to grow and, and, and fan the flame, he said. It's very interesting that he did this action like this. See, if you ask me how to fan, you go like this. He goes like this, because in the country where he comes from, that's how you cook satay. You fan like this, you put the satay, which are bits of meat on a stick, usually beef, chicken or lamb. You put it on and you barbecue it on hot coals and then you get a fan and you flame it like this. So he's, for me personally, he's endearingly become known as my satay bishop. <laughs> he fans the flame and I'm going to be on the coals waiting to be fanned by him. So, um, John has already prayed for us. Uh, Would you, uh, and i tell you that story, not to make a big deal, I just want to give you a context. Would you um, welcome one of the founding archbishops of the Anglican Mission in the Americas, Archbishop Yong Ping Chung.
1: Ah, the blue line, the green line. Can you hear? Yeah. yeah, okay. It has been a, a joy all these years. I think this is my fifth time coming for the, um, the uh, 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 sort of some sort of sum, summit. And uh, I even outlast your coach, uh, Terry Warren. <laughs> <Yeah>. So the <coughs> Now, I'm given the topic, the word. That's it. Hmm. That means I can make up the rest. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. See? Okay. All right. Thank you. (laughs) When I received the title... I understand what that means. Yeah. The words mean the word of God, not just any word, yeah. not just anything that anybody says, the word of God. So since I'm given two sort of a, a slot of time, so I thought, well, I will try to uh, Divide my talk into two sections. The first one is the Word. That's John 3.16. The greatest love story. Now, we all love love story. And then the second one is the Word. And this is uh the in in your in your where, where is that can I find it? oh yeah you see that is the great commission yeah, Matthew the chapter. I hope at the end you can see how disconnected at the moment. just give you the heading may not seems like it cannot connect it, right? So this is my first first story, first part of my talk. I'd like to read you one verse. John 3:16: "Who doesn't know this one? Who doesn't know this one? I don't think anybody dare to raise your hand. (laughs) If you do, you'll be very careful. So, John 3.16. For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Believe it or not, this is the first Bible verse I ever learned. As soon as I was converted, I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior, converted, become a Christian, somehow I learned this verse. And this verse has become more and more growing into my heart. And this is, uh, you know, I have followed Jesus for, I think, almost 50 years now, over 50 years now, and have served him in full-time ministry ministry, more than 45 years. And if you ask me, which is your favorite verse? I think you know what it is John three sixteen. Yeah. Now the, <coughs> the interesting thing is as soon as I learn this verse you know, by heart this is the first first Bible verse that I learned by heart and um, everywhere I go John three sixteen everybody that I meet John three sixteen you know. And so after a little while, I even got a nickname, the John 3.16 man. <laughs> well, I'm very proud of that, you know, because that is what makes us Christian. Yeah? And um, I would rather be known as uh, the uh, Bible verse man of anything than, than just anything else. So, of course, later on, I, like many of you, will begin to learn a little bit more uh, Bible verses. And I even uh, do the sort of memorizing pack, you know, and uh, I go through that. And I love it. It's so good. Yeah. And because my verses, the, the storage of my verses in my heart grow. But it never outgrew this verse. Somehow, this verse became the treasure verse in my heart. And in any situation, if, uh, even if I meet a stranger then, then and uh, try to talk about the, uh, 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 Christ and talk about the love of God, this is the verse. It fits. In all occasion, any occasion, when you talk, you talk about John three sixteen. I thought it was it just fit. At least from, from my heart, anyway, it is just fit. Yeah. So I grow and my my knowledge grow, but this verse never decrease, and it continue to be my favorite verse. Now, of course, as I begin to do theological study and all that kind of thing, you know, and I suddenly begin to realize why is it I love this verse so much? Because this verse really condense almost the story of Jesus into a very neat tiny package every time i think about john 3:16 i know god so loved me every time i think about it he gave me his only son the cross and everything i think about it and i think about those who believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life now For you, I don't know, what is your context? For me, my context is a Chinese society. Now, I tell you, I can say that you cannot say that. Because the Chinese is the most proud, isn't it? All those Chinese, very proud. And they always think they are right. I learned it from my father. My father always thinks he's right. You know? And that's why for us children, we never argue with our parents. They're always right. And so now, 73 years old, I am always right. <laughs> Don't laugh so loud. <laughs> it is the Chinese character, you know, we always say, we Chinese, we are the descendants of the first emperor. And our country is in the middle of the whole world. Zhongguo, in the middle. Yeah? You don't believe it? <laughs> yes, you go to China, you see everything. Yeah? And uh, so in that context, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's a huge, huge sort of a really promise from God.
2: Only after
1: I become Christian I begin to realize that. I was at the time non-Christian. You know, I... I'm a Chinese boy Learned, learning Chinese sometimes some of the classic, some of the all those things. Very proud of my heritage. And I have said to some of my friends who are Westerner that when your ancestor was wearing all the animal skin, my ancestor was wearing silk. Now, do you understand? <laughs> that is the, the kind of background, you know. And, uh, but after I gave my life to Jesus, after I received Jesus as my personal Savior, Lord and Master, this eye suddenly opened, you know. China, the middle kingdom, may be great in many things, but never have this message of salvation. And so, this is the love story. So, every time I read this verse, you know, now I tell you a secret. My wife and I met, and then I fell in love. And she said she doesn't want me. Yeah. see, that was, yes, I need counseling. <laughs> and um, and so the of course, she's come from her father is a bishop, you know, and um, they feel that uh, I should not be sidetracked by her. That's what they feel, but anyway. We, we met, and then we separated uh, for a while. I went back to Newfoundland to do my theological study, and then she wrote me letters. Now, every time I read her letter, I read it very carefully, you know, every word. You know? And this is, I just feel, John 3:16. Is like the first line of every letter she sent me. But this is from God. Yeah. And uh, that is the love story. And that is what became so important to me. Yeah. It helped me to grow, it helped me to understand God. It helped me to begin to realize how poor and desperate we were. Yeah. And so, God so loved the world. Yeah. And um, the beginning of a long love story. Now I have served this God more than 45 years. Yeah, and uh, I have followed him, I think more than 50 years, yeah. and I have never yet find any shortcoming from this relationship. Yeah. Now, of course, this verse comes from John Gospel, isn't it? John 3:16. Any fool know that. <laughs> <laughs> And then, as I begin to read John three, John Gospel, I begin to see some similarity between the Chinese in the Malaysian society and John in the A.D. I think seventy you know, to. Uh, uh, 80 years at that time the early church yeah. when I first became Christian when I first accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior it is just accepting the word of someone else introducing Jesus to myself but only after I begin to read and begin to the, understand and go through all the catechumen class and the preparation of baptism and confirmation and all those, I begin to understand. And then, the similarity is that all other culture, Chinese culture have no exception, is foreign to the culture or to the heart of the gospel. Yeah. And the staying in the, in the Malaysian society trying to receive Jesus Christ as a personal saviour. I think yesterday somebody said it doesn't make sense. Malaysia is a Muslim country. And if you are Muslim you have a lot of privileges. The Chinese are second class. The Christian are third class. That is the, side, the kind of... The, you know. And in order to, to really understand some of those people in Malaysia at this time, to accept Jesus, they've gone through big struggle. Yeah. Now, John, when he wrote st John 's Gospel he was in the in the time of lots of uh, changes the greek thought the 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 Hebrew thought and uh, the uh, this scholar and that scholar and all that you know? but I think as he prayed, he looked at his situation he's getting older you know? before he was a uh, Exile to, the, to, to Paphos. He was getting older. He looked at his contemporary, all those called by Jesus as the apostle. Some of them had died. And that's why he said he need to present an accurate, authoritative, and account of the life of Jesus. So that that can be shared, and that was written. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, John chose to open his gospel that in the beginning was the word. Well, I thought that would be very good for for our session. Yeah. <laughs> Biblical, isn't it? Yeah? And, the, and and when he concludes St. John's Gospel, he said, Jesus did many other miracle signs in the presence of his disciple, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you may have life in His name. John twenty thirty to 31. That is his, his witness. Why do I write this? I write this gospel so that people can read it People can come to know Jesus Christ so that people can commit their life to Jesus and so that they can, through Jesus, receive life eternal. That is his motive. Now, that is our task. God called us. God gave us Jesus Christ so that we can have life in His name. And this is that's why when I first became primate uh, uh, of Southeast Asia, when I go to the primate meetings, there are only thirty-eight primates in the whole Anglican Communion. When the thirty-eight primates cannot even agree singularly that this is the Word of God, I remember one time. I think the the uh, the. The, the Archbishop of Tanzania was presenting uh, uh, a paper to these 38 top leaders of the Anglican Church and talking about evangelism, talking about uh, the, the need to evangelize. To us from the Third World, from Malaysia, that is a natural talk if you don't preach gospel you have no business in the church that is what it is and yet apparently when the discussion come the the primate of Canada's wife refused to discuss no we will not talk about this rubbish. This is colonialism. Evangelism is colonialism. Evangelism is trying to enslave us to be obedient to something that is not democratically elected. You know, your democratic system 50% plus one will vote Jesus out of the church. You have done it. You have done it. And so, as I I, I read this, I say, wow, this is really God's love letters. God so loved the world and God gave us His only Son that believing in him, we should not perish, but have eternal life. See, to Chinese, to Chinese, I'm talking about Chinese, life and death is very, very important. You people don't care, do you? I'm sure you care also. Very important. And the When I was young, when I was young, little boy, I wasn't a Christian then. I have observed many times and during funeral, somebody died. And we Chinese, sometimes we hire people to do the crying. You know that? You don't know because you're not Chinese. They do, isn't it? Huh? <laughs> all my Chinese friend, <laughs> not that they are they, they hire people to cry and to shout and tell the, the whole story about the life and all that of this person. Everything is just to sort of honor and glorify this dead person. But he's, uh, presently he's very dead there. I think I think if this man from the dead he just raised up and I think the the whole room will be empty. They'll be all gone. Yeah. We are I I think the Chinese are quite superstitious also. Yeah. And very superstitious. Now when this verse come, it gave me a huge relief. From young I looking at Oh, the funeral is a terrible time, crying time. The whole family cry. Yeah. And then, be, when I become Christian, I saw in the uh, in the in the church the funeral. Everybody sing. Doesn't make sense. You sing to your friend. You're so happy. You sing him so that he died already. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Yeah. A lot of things doesn't make sense. But it remains as a love story that God has sent. And so, every time I read this verse, I say, wow, God's love letter to me. It is addressed to me. It's you. You, whatever your name is. Yeah, it is given to you. Now, so to the end of wanting to share Jesus' life, John wrote this letter. And he carefully selected his material. The miracle was put in such an order, and the first word. As he opened his gospel, he declared in the beginning is, is the word. The word is with God, the word is God. And all in the beginning. And that is how this this gospel begins. Yeah. Now here I think I need a little bit of relief. I invite my wife to tell you a love story, not our not, not about our, us you you, you don 't get any of those secrets
2: <laughs> we're talking about God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and I think that has a great impact on me as well, as I think I, I told some of you about my story last year, so i won 't repeat it but um I just want to tell you and share how the Word of God really had a different meaning for me. Um, this is about 30 years ago, quite a long time ago, before you were born, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, we, were, we, were, we were having a CCEA meeting. This is the Council of Churches of East Asia, at which my husband was at that time, the chairman. So I went thinking that I was uh, one part of my job is to make sure that everybody is well looked after and and to you know to make sure they're comfortable and to make sure there's hospitality provided for everyone. And so when we're at this at this meeting, and I saw that the Southeast Asia includes many countries, including Japan and Korea and Philippines and Hong Kong and, and even includes Australia and and. Um, and the whole of Southeast Asia. And so I saw this uh, gentleman sitting in a corner, sort of by himself, and I said, oh, I'd, maybe I should go make friends with him and see if he's okay. And maybe he doesn't speak English, and so uh, maybe feel a little bit uncomfortable. So I went over to him, and, and I asked him how he was and where, and where he come from. He said he came from Japan, and he spoke perfect English. And, and so we started a conversation. He said, well, I've been sitting here thinking and contemplating, and I was hoping someone would come to me because I would need to share something. And I said, oh, okay. So he started sharing it with me. And that when he was a teenager, I might have shared this, some of this with some of you before privately. So if you heard it, please forgive me. But um, he, was, uh, he was a teenager during the World War II. And, um, and as you know, in Japan, they had this atomic bomb and, uh, and uh, Hiroshima and things like this. And he had actually relatives in that place. And, um, and after, after the war and after the bombing, he and his friend, also a young teenager, decided to go back to that city to look for their relatives. And so when he was walking towards that city it was so terrible because of the smell of dead burnt bodies okay all over the place and the place was totally leveled and he and his young friend full of this passion looking saying, how can people do things like this it's a terrible thing to do so they went and the more they walked in it the more they saw how terrible that bombing and how war was, was it so he was so very determined, first of all, he couldn't find his relatives, because you know, it was, as you know, everything was just flattened down. and, and, so, and he is, and his friend got so upset and so full of hate for the Americans and for all the Christians. he said, "The Americans say that they are Christians, and see what they've done for us to us. And they killed not only just you know, soldiers, but they killed all the innocent people, the children, the families, they're all separated. And here I'm looking for my family, I can't find them. So he was filled with hatred in his heart. He said, I will get back to them. I will get get revenge. And then, so he said, and I will fight them. I will fight them. So he and his friend made a pact. He said, we will go and fight these people who have done such a devastating uh, thing. To, to us personally that hit our hearts so hard and so they went and said so what they did, they went out for demonstrations they went out everywhere they started shouting and, and, and doing anti-Christian slogans and, and everything else but they didn't get very far they didn't get very far and so they say, well the only other way is to, to attack them on their own grounds so I would will, I will do everything to wipe out these Christian things that they think they're so loving, they're so kind, but yet the devastating and the, and the evil things they have done to us. So he said, I will take them, I would take the Bible, and I would challenge them. They were very smart. I would challenge them in everything in the Bible. So they took the Bible, and the man and his friends said, okay, whatever you want to do, I don't want to do it. I'm going to continue to fight them. The, my physical strength is the one I can do to go and fight them. But then, he's, and then but he said, I will fight them where they where they are. So he started to take the Bible, and he started to, be in the beginning, and so, it's in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, and he got this huge Bible, and everything that he did not agree with, he can check, he wrote down in the column, and things like this. And then, and say, and to challenge them and he starts really going out to speak against the Christianity. And then he continues to, to read, then continue to mark down. Then he begins to read. Well the people this Bible talk about are really not very nice people. <laughs> <laughs> and you read I say if you go and when you start reading the Bible, there's all this you know, um, what you call deceit and there's cheating, there's killing, there's liars, and there's also people who, who wage war against one another and there's all the bloodshed. He said, Oh this is terrible. This is what Christianity talks about. Love? Impossible. So he starts, again, going. on. And then he got. He went on from Genesis and to Exodus and, to go on and go on, and then he went to Judges and he said, "Oh, well, this is really terrible." You know, so if you read the book of Judges. Afterward, you already need to cleanse yourself. You know, and then the, um, so he so he started to continue to read through the Bible and marking down all the things, and he's trying to make sense out of it. And then, as he continued to read, he said. The human race is a very, very um, devastating race. It's already a very evil race. You know, you can say in the beginning they talk about the Garden of Eden, then it comes to fall, and it goes goes worse and worse and worse and worse. And he couldn't understand it all. And then he said, Why is it that the Christians can read that Bible and believe in it? And then it has to change your life. So he continued. And I still think the Spirit of God is there because he was searching. Then he began to see that the world is not a good world that we are living in because we, it is it, it, a fallen world. And because of that, we needed a Savior. We needed a Savior. And he said, it's so, it just completely, doesn't make sense. And so he began to continue to read. And they began to they will come out in Isaiah, and talk about comfort ye, comfort ye. And it goes on and say, and unto you a son is born. And it goes on and read and read. And then as he go on and say, wow, it talk about in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it talks about when, the, when God created the world, He's already provided a salvation, His plan. So he continued to read that. And he went into, talk, into the New Testament and, and he saw how Jesus gave his life for the ransom for us and our sins. So he went on to talk about, I wanted to hate Christianity. But he began to see as he go. he didn't even have a chance to even go to the revelations. He was continued and the Lord convicted him, this is a book of love. It's not about hate He was looking for hate But yet when he read through this He said, this is a book of love For God so does love the world that he created And he said, even I want a full of hate But we cannot save ourselves We need a savior who would die for us who only, only him, only his blood can cleanse us from our sins And so he went through the whole Bible he gave his life to Jesus, and he served full-time in, in, in Japan. His name is Aida, Bishop Aida, and he became a, a, a bishop. That's why he was in this meeting, and Bishop Aida. And he opened up a whole new chapter for me. That, you know, for us, sometimes we read the Bible, we say it's a word of God to give, not only to instruct and rebuke and all this other thing, but it is a love story that Jesus, God wants to give to us. It is a book of love from the beginning to the end. That it is the love of God who needs to touch our lives, each one of us. And I think we all need that. And, and I think this... um Bishop Aida, after that he told me, he said that but every time he reads a letter, he be reminded of the hate that he had. And that he was not able to get out of that hate unless he had the love of God. And as the love of God continued to seep into his life, as he read, continued to read and to read, he began to claim the promises that God has given to him through the words, and then not only that he god has given him to say i love you so much and all i want for you is to come and receive that love to receive that love and to be loved by me and to know that you are my beloved son and my beloved daughter and i think this is a thing that i I've, i treasure and i opened up the book to me the Bible in a totally different way that it is a love story it is a love story from God and, it, and because of that we all have this new life so we are living not only in grace the grace of God but we are living in the love of God that is through the son Jesus and what he wants actually for us is to be able to respond to that love and I think in God in His goodness and in His loving kindness, He didn't give us His love and demand things from us. But He said, but I'll give you a choice to do all that. He gave us a gift of free will. And then He said, but I will also give you the Holy Spirit to help you in that free will, to come and choose my way and to live in my love. And I, I think um, very often we forget that. And sometimes we find the Bible so difficult to read, because, and you and you go to meetings. You know, ask people, "Have you read the Bible from cover to cover?" And very often in Christian communities, you don't have people who have read the Bible from cover to cover. And very often we read portions that we like. But just think, think about if the whole book is about the love of God, you only read portions you're only getting a portion. But if you eat everything, you get the fullness of God's love. And I think it's so very important in our churches nowadays, we, we don't emphasize enough. And, we, and then people find it so difficult to read the Bible. But as my husband says, it is a love letter to each one of us. It's a gift from God. It's a love of God that actually compels us forward that we can find that purpose in our lives and then if and as we read it we read it and we read it again and day by day it becomes a source of our strength and uh, and to be reminded I know that we are, we are we are people of this world in many ways and sometimes we forget that we are the beloved children of God but we are, we are living in the love of God and And I I really thank God for this, for his word, because everything is there, and the promises are there for for us to claim. It is truly a love story. So maybe that could also open up a, a chapter for you. When you open up the Bible, it is a love story that God wants to tell you about his love for you.
1: She is much better storytellers. Yeah, and much more tender and not like me. And so that's why I invited her to tell that story. Yeah. Now, I think the, when God gave us His Son, when God gave us a new life, He expects us to respond with that life. If you became a Christian and you just become a pill warmer, it is a waste. You become a Christian, you respond to God's love. You begin to ask Him, what do you want me to do? Yeah. And what, is the, uh, what can I do in order to extend your kingdom, in order to help people to understand who God is? So John, in a very strange environment, when the whole world is competing to reach the sort of top of the either philosophy or whatever system, he gave us the John Gospel. Now, since our theme for this. uh, summit is the word and all I got is the word so I thought the response I will use the word W-O-R-D to be sort of a guide us as what God really expect of us so the first thing I think word W W I think can be can be uh, sum up with the word worship. You are created. You are given new life to worship God. That is our privilege. You know? And. You're able to worship God is God's gift. You're able to open up yourself to God is God's gift. You're able to just look at Him and your eyes open and see, wow, that is my Savior. That is my God. That is a gift from God. Yeah, and uh, Thomas. When the the other disciple saw the uh, the the resurrected Christ, yeah, and um, and he wasn't there, so like you and me, he said, "No, no, 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 no! I don't see him, I don't believe." Now, this is also very Chinese. Yeah, so I think Thomas is like a Chinese. Yeah? <laughs> I didn't see, I don't believe. Many people also like that. I don't see, I don't believe. Yeah, and. Uh, Yet when Christ was, uh, uh, was uh, resurrected, Christ came to him and show him his hand and say, "Come, touch it. Do you dare to put your hand there? I wouldn't. <laughs> it is awesome, isn't it? And so the end is my Lord and my God. That is what God wanted to." get out of us. A lot of church are dead because they don't know who is this God and who is this Lord. They know the constitution, yes? A lot of Christians know the constitution. This is our constitution. We need to vote whether bishop or no bishop, we vote. If our vote over your vote, you lose. I win. This is a main way of handling things, isn't it? We vote, and sometimes the vote is be sort of a gathered. So at the end, it is may not be the true feeling of the people. People get you no. Know, this is Saturday man. Get you fired and you got all excited. I just uh, just uh, this last two day or two or three days see the Hong Kong situation. All the young people, uh, middle school people, yeah? those who come up and talk, they talk loud, but they fend up all the opposition from there. Now I I'm not in Hong Kong, so I I don't have to worry too much because. But this time when I go home, I have to stop in Hong Kong. I hope I just stop and go. <laughs> yeah. But this is what God wants. Yeah. In the Philemon, chapter two nine to eleven, He is talking about Jesus was given the name about all names. All knees shall bow all tongues shall confess that he is the Lord the God yeah? and, uh, and sometimes that's why the I enjoy the sort of a, uh, in the singing time yeah? I'm not a very demonstrative person yeah? I don't know how to do all this yeah? My little son, granddaughter, they know how to do that. (laughs) They come around and try to wiggle me around. (laughs) It's true. You rule by your grandchildren. Yeah, isn't it? All those who have experience, you rule by your grandchildren. Don't tell me that you don't. (laughs) But it is a joy, isn't it? When you see. The, the 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 young life responding to uh, sort of so, uh, all those beautiful nice uh, 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 music and they know how to do it. I never know how to do it. I will never be able to learn. But I just go like that. <laughs> <Not> Don't <loud>. laugh. So, brothers and sisters, to worship God. W. God give you new life so that your life is opened up and your life is lifted up and your life go from that bottom go up to there. Yeah. In I, I, recent, recent months and um, I have uh, attended quite a lot of funerals Because a lot of my friends, my age, they are saying goodbye, they go home already. In the Christian funeral, I find it very, very uplifting. There's a dead body. No matter what you say, he's dead. But when the whole community singing the hymn, the resurrection the life in God and seeing it you can almost I almost always imagine as they sing the angel come and take this fellow up he's gone he go home forever I think that is what God wanted us to be we worship him now, the second letter is O. Now, o means obedience. That's the hardest word. Very hard. No matter how good you are a Christian, I think that you always struggle. The total obedience, no turning back, that is very hard you know? I think we we all have our own like and dislike you know? and yet when that is there and uh, when God demands I think about Abraham you know? Abraham was in his home uh, although of course in those days he didn't have television you know? in his home comfortably with so many camels, with so many camels, oh, that he's quite rich, cut well off, and then suddenly one day, God come to him and say, hey, pick up all your, all your, all your the, everything, you take it and you go. Go where? Go there. There where? Don't know. That's what God is calling. You know? And that is not easy. And yet, in obedience Abraham oh, get up and took everything and go go where God don't know where have you ever had that experience go don't know where we always want to know where we go yeah if don't know where never go you don't want Abraham, total obedience. And then, of course, Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, he knew his mission, he knew he's going to die, and yet on that eve before the thing happened, he prayed three times. Father, if that is your will, take this cup away. How many times I have prayed that, especially at that time when I have to make the decisions of whether to side or whether to rescue uh, all this crowd called AMIA or not. I have one thousand and one reason not to do anything. I have a big province and just elected uh, the archbishops. I've got plenty to do, and if I don't come, I don't think anybody will blame me. And yet, here are the souls but with the blood of Jesus Christ. You are his children, bought by his precious blood. That's why at one time, I did say to the, the Archbishop of Canterbury, I said, if I do not come, I have to resign from my job as a, as archbishop. I have no more right to come up here to preach and talk about Jesus love you. You didn't even do that thing. That's why the, there's a lot of flags you know? red flag, blue flag, whatever flag they come around. You know? and, they, and yet, at the end, you know, my wife and I said, we only have li- one life to lead. If we give in now, we cannot do any other thing. Yeah. So, we are here. And we are still here. <laughs> you, cannot, we cannot, you cannot wish that we are going away. <laughs> no. yeah. And so, brothers and sisters, obedience is part of us. Once He gave us that new life, He wanted to see that new life to be used obedient to him. Yeah. Okay. The third word, the third letter is R. R is relational. Yeah, I think the, this has been a, a, quite a, a theme that floating around the last two days. It is always nice to sit together yeah. And in relationship. Yeah. In relationship. Our relationship with Jesus need to be expressed in relationship with one another. It will be a lie if you say you love God and you don't love your fellow Christian. Isn't it? Yeah. And so, word, W-O-R, and the third one is D. D is dependent. John 15 talk about, Jesus talk about, abide in me. Abide in me, then you can bear fruits by yourself. You can't do anything. Yeah. And so this is the the, the sort of expectation, the wish of God. I give you a new life. I give you a life different from whatever you have before. But this new life needs to be used in order to honor God And in order to help the people, the uh, the the, uh, other people in this world to understand, to know God's hearts, and Jesus also asks us to remain in God's love, to abide, to remain. Yeah. In the in our part of the world, there is this background sort of people looking at us with Christian, and they think we are the most stupid people. You know why? Because they think. If they are not Christian, they, whatever, they need any help, they come to the church. you give it to them. You know? No question asked. No string attached. This is a stupid business, man. Huh? Where can you find a business like that? You know? And yet, this is what our Lord said to us, isn't it? Freely, freely you receive. Freely, freely you give you receive that faith freely. But if you don't do anything, you, have to, you need to give this freely. Yeah. And uh, so, brothers and sisters, thank you for being here, and thank you for uh, listening to me talking, yeah. and we just pray as a community, as a Christian community, we will really continue to abide in God and to continue to lift up His love. And so we ourselves become that love letter that God sent into this sinful world. Brothers and sisters, God bless you. Amen.